the Day of Atonement. It is sometimes referred to as the day at one with God, based upon the time when all of God's chosen shall be accepted into the family of God's of God. Yom Kippur is the one day nearly all Jews consider to be sacred. In Israel, even most circular Jews fast on this day and consider it a day of introspection. Breaking Yom Kippur carried the penalty of being out being out off from God's people with the implied destruction of the individual before he can return to his people. The removal of sin and acceptance by God, which is the most commonly accepted theme in Judaism, was only for a year, though it has a deeper meaning. Hebrews 10.3 reads, But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin, and that is why we give you a message about each holy day every year on that particular holy day. But as the rest of Hebrew 10 shows, atonement now points forward to eternal removal of sin through the blood of Christ. See Leviticus 23 verses 26 through 32. Atonement means to cover sin or to be reconciled to God through Christ's sacrifice. Read Leviticus 16 verses 1 through 10. The scapegoat. The entire removal meaning. This goat symbolically carried away and removed the entire sin and guilt from sacred places into the desert. It probably also symbolized entire forgiveness. The word scapegoat implies one who is being blamed for something he did not do. We can see why both goats were required, one to symbolically carry away sins, the other as a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. One carried away unknown current sins, the other died for known sins. All of this was done in order to atone for or cover the sins of the people. A secondary purpose was to impress upon the minds of the people the conviction that the whole tabernacle was stained by the sin of a guilty people, that by their sins they had forfeited the privileges of the divine presence and worship, and that an atonement had to be made as the condition of God's remaining with them. In essence, we in the church are faced with the same choice today. What's associated with this day? Fasting. We know that the Old Testament commands the Day of Atonement, but there is evidence that Paul observed it too. Acts 27.9 The major benefit of fasting is to be able to humble oneself before God. David teaches us that humility can be accomplished by fasting. See Psalms 35 verse 12 and Psalm 69 verses 10 through 11. Fasting enables us to get closer to God. It is a spiritual, not just a physical experience. See Exodus 34:28, Ezra 8:21 through 23, Esther 4:16. What are the rules about fasting? See Matthew 6 
verses 16 through 18. The New Testament captures, the New Testament scriptures make it clear that we should fast, but only God needs to know when we fast. Fasting brings us close to God. Fasting is an act of humility in God's presence. As we fast, consider that our lives need more than just physical substance of food. For life, we also need the forgiveness and spiritual substance through His Holy Spirit and His Word. What is God's view of fasting? See Isaiah 57, 14 through 58, 14. Teshavah. The Day of Atonement was the last day of Teshavah. There are four aspects of Teshavah. Regret, taking responsibility, reconciliation, and resisting the sin again. As Christians, we might say that Teshavah means recognizing our sin against another as sin. Regret, offending someone else including our Father, and repentance and turning around and going the other way. The period from trumpets to atonement is described as the day of Av, which may compare to the tribulation. The days of Av represent mankind's final chance to make amends with God and man, and for their names to be written in the book of life. Teshavah requires that we must love our neighbor, including our Creator, as ourselves. During Teshavah, people grow closer to God, but on the Day of Atonement, God grows closer to us. This is an important concept for us to keep in mind. Now to the true meaning of the Day of Atonement. The days between trumpets and atonement are called the days of our the last days of a 40-day period called Teshuvah. These days are dedicated to obtaining forgiveness of those one has offended the previous year, both God and man. They are, in essence, days of repentance or turning around. Yom Kippur is dedicated to obtaining forgiveness from God. The Christian community believes the same thing. This is stated as part of what most of us call the Lord's Prayer, which is really a pattern or model prayer given to us by Christ. It can be found in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This verse is then expounded on in verses 14 and 15. Just what is atonement? It is another of many religious words that is often used but not always understood. The best definition we can find is the one used in scripture themselves. The English word atonement is translated in the New Testament as reconciliation, which means an adjustment of a difference, a restoration of the favor of God to sinners that repent and put their trust in the sacrificial death of Christ. Yom Kippur is the day in which God will be reconciled with his creation. 
It is a day for him to be merciful, to pardon, to cleanse, and to forgive. Yom Kippur was the only day of, of the year that anyone among the children of Israel were able to come face to face with God and live. This occurred when the high priest entered the holies of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. It could only be done with great preparation and care. Paul also addressed this future face-to-face -face encounter. See 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. According to Paul, we are not yet face-to-face -face with our Father, but the time will come, as pictured by this day, when that will occur. Then we will know God fully, just as He knows us fully right now. Isaiah 59 verses 20 through 21. The meaning of the Day of Atonement and God's master plan for His saints and eventually for all mankind. It pitches the time when God will fully forgive His people's transgressions and be accessible on a face-to-face -face basis. This explains why we fast this day. God is always closer as we fast. Isaiah 44:22. God has redeemed us, paid off our sin with the sacrifice of Christ. Washed by the blood. While the temple tabernacle stood, atonement was made by the blood of the sacrificial animal. Since 30 AD, the sacrificial animal's blood was replaced by that of Jesus Christ. Christ did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. Leviticus 16.30 still holds true. He washed us in his blood rather than that of an animal. He fulfilled the law. Hebrews 10 verses 1 through 14 and verses 12 and 13 are quotes from Psalms 110 verse 1. In conclusion, when you fast on the Day of Atonement or any time, fast with purpose, not just because it is the thing you are supposed to do. Fast to be close to God so that you can seek out God's way of life, be accepted by God, seek out God's help in obeying Him in every facet of our lives. Recognize that this Day of Atonement pictures the unbelievable, wonderful day when we will be accepted by our Father because He has forgiven us of all the sins we have committed against Him and our fellow man. A day when we will be able to see the Father as He is. Strive to be known as one who does what is right in our relationship with both God and our fellow man. One who does not forsake God's commands. Live a just, righteous, loving life, showing fairness and justice to others. Don't let this day become just another day when we don't eat. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a recognition of people's inability to make any atonement for their sins at one minute. The seven blessings of atonement. We see that in Joel 2. A double portion in verse 23. Financial abundance in verse 24. Restoration in verses 25. Special miracles in verse 26. Divine presence in God's army in verse 27. Family blessings in verse 28. 
deliverance in verse 32. The former and the latter. The first month. Did you miss your vocation? Christians want advice on how to hear God's call for their lives. Young professionals worry that God may not have called them to the work they are doing every day. Middle-aged workers worry that they have missed their calling. And all of us long for a sense of purpose in our day-to-day -day lives. But many of us are expecting too much of that purpose to come from work that we do. People confuse calling and career, wanting to reduce a deep theological truth to a simple strength finder too. Our work has meaning, yes. God cares about our work. Our work can benefit the community around us. It can function as a tool to refine us in God's image. Through our work, we can even use specific skills and talents to serve others. But our work is, first of all, an opportunity to follow Jesus, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The vocation of every Christian is to live as a follower of Jesus today. In every aspect of life, in small and large acts, with family, neighbors, and enemies, we are to seek to live out the grace and truth of Jesus. This is our vocation, our calling. Today, work is only one element of life. God calls us to belong to Christ in every area of our lives. Our jobs are not necessarily the most important aspect of our calling. First, we must remember that work is not limited to paid work. The work God leads us to may be unpaid work, such as raising children or caring for a disabled family member or tutoring students after school. Even if you have a paid job, the most important work God calls you to may be outside your job. Your job may meet your need for money, which in itself fulfills part of God's command to work, but it may not fulfill all the other purposes God has for your work. For example, caring for children, aged or incapacitated people is a kind of work. On the other hand, a so-called hobby could be the most important work God is leading you to. You might work at writing, painting, music, acting, leading a youth group, volunteering, maintaining a natural reserve, or a thousand other kinds of work. Any given activity could be work for one person and leisure for another. Second, we must take care to not let work dominate the other elements of life. Even if God leads you to a particular job or profession, you will need to set limits to that work to make room for the other elements of God's call or guidance in your life. If God leads you to be married and to be a small business owner, for example, 
then you will have to balance the time and responsibilities of both callings. Work should not crowd out leisure, rest, and relationships. There is no formula for balancing work and the other elements of life. But take care not to let a sense of calling to a job blind you to God's calling in the other areas of life. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for inviting us to serve you in the ordinary places of our lives. Your grace and truth and love sometimes seems like higher callings than the regular work we face every day. But it is, but it is in our regular work that we live out your gospel and share it with others. Give us your eyes to see all of the ways in which we are living out our calling. Please show us how to wisely invest our time, our energy, and talent in each of the places you are calling us to. If our focus is out of balance or needs correction, we invite you to guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.